welcome to the Swedish Junior Hockey, Hockey Pat Podcast. Um, I've not had enough coffee yet this morning. You uh, need more. Yeah, <laughs> Jacob Dalin here with uh, as your host, and and today's guest is Larissa Mills um, from London, Ontario, and uh, involved in several different things. But the main topic I wanted to talk about today is kind of the the mental game. So, welcome to the podcast. Super. I am so happy to be here because you know how fond I am of the, the Swedish hockey model and the, the Swedish values of raising a really solid hockey player all round kid. I love that philosophy. We've been studying it now for a few years. This episode is brought to you by Scandlux, your home for Scandinavian luxury products for the U.S. market. You can find us at Scandlux.com. Yeah, we should we should look at the perfect human, right? Uh, Nicholas Lidstrom and uh, and and, and yes. the perfect yes. human. All right. So what I want to do, let's let's start because not a lot of people may have, especially in Sweden, have heard of Larissa Mills. And I know you're involved in a lot of different things. Uh, yes. Kind of, kind of the topic today is 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 really preparing. How do we prepare the athletes in the mental game in the digital age? And also, mm. maybe we can talk a little bit about preparing coaches and parents uh, in this digital age too. So we'll talk a little bit about the challenges that we that players mm -hmm. face today versus maybe 15 years ago as well. So give us a background, Paul. Yeah. Who's Larissa? And, and oh yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I started um, out as a. a um, I've always been an athlete. Um, my brothers played hockey. I played hockey. I didn't last as long as my brothers. Um, I ended up coaching some hockey in high school and being one of the hockey trainers on high school teams and played rugby. I was a basketball, volleyball, track kind of rowing person. But as I graduated and I studied behavior, sociology, psychology, and then I did a master's in, in science of education, but that really was how the brain learns. And that became an important way to share the path in which I'm seeing how these young children and athletes are learning today. So today they're not learning actually as much information as they were 15 years ago. Reason A, phones. Because by 16, if they're on phones for 13,000 hours, they have lost 2,000 hours a year of growth development in all the areas in which they need, which is, uh, I think we talked about it before, Jacob, which was physical, emotional, psychological, academic, right? So they're behind now. A lot of the kids are behind in those areas, even four-year-olds can't write, can't talk, can't speak properly like they did 15, 20 years ago. Are phones totally to blame? No, no, they're not. Parenting also has changed, right? So how what we value um, is changed. We're, we're also, parents are on phones for almost 2,000 hours a year now too. So when does that allow us to talk, connect with our kids and know who our kids are? Now kids just get home, get on the phone, and they're off in their rooms. Yeah. So we're dealing with a different lifestyle, which means we have to approach the kids. I have to coach differently, completely differently than I did 15 years ago. So let's. So, so, so you're involved in coaching, you know, in three different segments, both kind of in the in the in the educational setting, the family setting, and the athletic setting. It's kind of the areas, right? That you that you. Yeah, I, I guess you have to take it as I. I I did coach competitively. Now I'm helping coaches coach and now I am coaching my athletes. So it's, it's really how our programs are built because our, our athletes can come to us as teams or as individuals. And we're getting athletes from all around the world now, which is great because we work with professional athletes 
But where we need to really focus on is 13 and 14. This is where those digital habits, it's almost too late when you come to see people like me at by 16, because that's when you're getting stuck. This is when you want to make your waves. This is when you want to get drafted. And this is when you want a scholarship, right? So, so this is where we're seeing that age group struggle is 16. Let's start with let's start with the end as a as yep. a means to be able to go in. So what are the problems that you're seeing today or the or the okay. you know everybody always so so if we compare now to to uh the physical aspects of of the athlete that says okay you know everybody sees at the at the scout, scouting comp the the, yep. the the reports just came out about who are the on the on the um the draft list right so the next thing that's going to happen is going to be combines oh and, i know and kids are going to be coming that's in and and it's i guarantee you they're going to focus uh, in on someone that can't do x number of pull-ups right because, i know and then and they're going to say irrelevant to me because well, now we're working with scouts and agents our company um, the mental game academy is working with them and saying actually i want you to give a mental skills assessment to the people that are drafted. And then and only then when we examine their mental game, will you actually have a true draft? Because they're physical, it's an indicator, but the one muscle up here is the long-term money maker, right? Yeah. So 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 what are the things that that so let's let's start there from the uh from the draft perspective because it's a okay. it's an easy one to be able to go in and say, gotcha. So the market the you know selecting yes. it, it's a business and selecting it is a the, right, the right athlete and we can certainly look at at the last few years of you know both in the NHL and and the NFL if we think back on on um yep. on, on on draft busts right to be able to <laughs> say right to be able to say right? no I feel ya yeah, I feel ya okay so, okay so what are the things that uh that how much do do NHL teams um, and and the scouts and the scouting staff look at the mental aspects of the athlete and 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 what does that look like? Well, I think that they they really try and look at the whole character of an individual, which is and important. how do they know that? How do they how do they know they got two hundred fifty athletes that they're looking at and they do they do and I think that they discuss it. They talk to the coaches. They talk to the staff because. Let's face it, if I'm going to invest millions of dollars into one individual, I want to know everything about the individual. I really don't care. I know, yes, they're going to score. That's their highlight. But what about the rest of their game? Are they lazy? Do they back check? Do they know their position? Are they a team player? And here's the whole other layer of a quality athlete is the dressing room and is them as an individual how are they as a person because if you have one toxic person in your dressing room or on your team good luck so i remember i remember listening to a story with brian burke um you know oh brian burke i loved him yeah yeah, yeah. so a, a true canadian uh yes. brian burke was talking about doing the draft interviews with nail and uh, nail yakapo when he was i can't remember if he he was the general manager in toronto at the time and, oh, and yes. he ended, he ended was, up being yeah. drafted by Edmonton, but yeah. but he said, "Yes, we did the interview with Yakupov and walked out and said that was awful, and and mm -hmm. they didn't even look at it. 
They were like, that was the worst interview that I've ever had. And then he also said, um, oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Captain of, uh, of Colorado. Um, oh, um, yes, yes. He interviewed him. Swedish yeah. player. And I, I should Swedish. know. But anyway, to <laughs> me because I have a brain brain freeze now. But but it, but he said super impressive interview. Yeah. Like felt like right away this kid, and he ended up being the the youngest captain Ever. in the history of, of that. Right. And right. Uh, so so they do that now in interviews. But how many are doing, or what type of assessments do they do? Because I'm sure I don't know enough of the details of the assessment, but what I would want to see now, knowing that we have so many more kids coming to the table at 16 and 18 that are less resilient, less emotionally intelligent, less communicative, less socialized, they're coming already with gambling addictions by 18 and other addictions. So we know that we have to do a better job at assessing where this athlete is at in their headspace because we can flag them very easily with our assessments and even when we're counseling them we can tell even when we're talking with them um okay we can link their phone time to anxiety and depression now so right is it i would say we need to do a better job though jacob at, at that assessment part of the character of the individual and this mental stability because this is the most important thing if they don't have this they can't even play properly yeah. So why aren't you doing more assessments, mental assessments and mental skills techniques and then helping them at a younger age if you know they're even going to come up on the draft? That would be my question. So where is the time to start? Uh, start as young as possible because habits are learned and once they're learned, they're very hard to break. I would I'm working with athletes as young as 13 to talk to them about, you know, who they are and their steps to resilience, self-talk. I cannot tell you how many kids come to the table here with us and they're sad. They feel ignored. They feel alone. They feel depressed. And they're 14, 15, 16, 18. I even have a professional athlete, which I can't say, but we can know who I work with. And they're sad. They're sad individuals yeah. because they're being abused by coaching staff yet. And they're being shut down by their families. So they're trapped. And and are you seeing that as so, so a, 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 a um, analysis when you're looking at that you know often you may say this person has never had uh any kind of training nor ability to have coping skills and and these type yeah. of things uh until now and is there a time where you kind of feel like wow this is too late or is it just there's it's never, never too late. late our brains are remarkable like if you saw studies of our brains with dr john hutton or dr jennifer Fraser, I can I can leave that information for everyone. It's been proven that our brains can actually change and and our brains can heal and our brains can grow, which is thank you. <laughs> we can do that because we actually take them through programs step by step slowly so that we can work and teach them to equip themselves because I can't be there all the time with you, but I can equip you so that you can be happier, more confident. And we call it tools in your tool belt. Which tools are you going to use and when? And we teach you how to do that. And once you do that, it takes most athletes are around three months. Boom. They're on their own. They're doing well. Like all of our athletes, we just had one go to team Canada. We have another one going to team Canada. We have um, Olympians. We have professional athletes that are doing better. So I'm, I'm ecstatic for the proof of the program. 
So, so let's, let's switch a little bit because, but it's going to be yep. related and that's going to be a little bit of how the different in, in this podcast, we've talked a lot about the kind of the Swedish junior hockey system or, Which or, is Swe amazing. or Swedish, uh, Swedish hockey in general and how mm -hmm. that kind of naturally uh, happens. Right. And, mm -hmm. and in some cases, so for example, when we talk about you know, hockey sense or, 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 you know, someone's having the ability to be a good skater or a really good shot is, yep. is directly proportional to, you know, how much time that they've had on the ice or the type of interactions that they've had on the ice. And, and, and a lot of that is coming because, oh yeah, well this, these kids played street, street hockey for six hours a day, or they had this group of, I, I, I just had the conversation yesterday with, yeah. with Urban Umark, who's from Örnkrotsvik with Modo. And 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 one of the things we talked about, the, the level of compete cool. between yeah. that group that had Peter Forsberg and Mar Mar Marcus Nasland, they oh. grew up together. Well, that's exceptional. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, you know, those things are happening. They're factors. By, right? by itself. It's the environment that they grow up in uh, from, from right. a compete standpoint. But what is it about the and, and and I'm interested in kind of if we compare U.S. Canada to to kind of Sweden, then what are some of the things in Sweden that you see that are driving the that healthy environment versus yeah, unhealthy? What what are some things that that you um, you were impressed with? I'm absolutely I'm so impressed by the the Swedish not just not I want to say. A, congratulations, Sweden, you're doing a great job, but you're doing a great job with your people, your human beings. So let's take hockey out of this for a second. I find that the culture in Sweden and Finland and in and, and, and many parts of Europe do a better job at raising standards and expectations for children. And they want to nourish, I get this feeling of nourishment, nourishing the brain and nourishing the culture and nourishing the family. So with that, they have higher standards of education and, and values and being exposed to different things like your after school programs and that and how your structural model is so different from ours. That's one of the big things. But you put a primary high ticket price on happiness and being well-rounded first. And then we are taking the athletes into this, into this and they're already ahead. The child is already more developed emotionally. Remember we talked about those four things emotionally physically um academically and psychologically because they have more social experiences and well socialized like i i think if we looked at the numbers and i think i did two years ago the average phone time versus a swedish child under 18 versus an american or canadian was half yeah. that's substantial that's substantial jacob like to a to a growing brain who needs to be outside more like we do we need, because the phones make us nervous. They rev our nervous systems. They make our heart rates go. They make us addicted. It's dopamine and cortisol. So what I find is that the Swedish cultural and the family values are actually doing a better job at giving children security uh, and bond of attachment. And and so therefore, when you look at these kids, what do you call it? The, uh, you called it the other day. Uh, they leave their, they go to gymnasium. Is that right? Gymnasium, yeah, which is the and, hockey academy or academy, which is. They're ready. Uh, yeah, high school. They're ready. These kids are more self-sufficient. They're happier. 
more resilient, more emotionally intelligent. So they're already on a better footing when they're going to their academies versus our kids are far behind. Um, we have actually dropped our expectations here in North America for our kids. Like we, we just keep like lowering the bar um, a little bit for them and they're parented differently, right? Yeah. Uh, they're not as resilient um, as they used to be 15 years ago. You know, one of the one of the examples that I think back of. So, so for those who don't know, so I grew up in Sweden and I left when I was when I was 18. But yeah. uh, one of the big differences, because I came over here and I went to high school for a year. And and um, one of the immediate differences that I realized was this this subject of recess. And it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny thing. <laughs> So, you just said that. So, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story about this because it has a has. Oh a, my gosh! Because what do you call it in Sweden? The lady told me, um, you well, have well, like it's or... so, so we have rust, which is called rest. Rest. It's it, it, it's it's a. But here's what yes. happened. So, even <laughs> even even in first through sixth grade, which was primary school, I remember mm -hmm. looking at my schedule, and you would have. Here's the classes that you have, the subjects that you have. And in between the classes is not just transportation from, from classroom A right. to classroom B. Now, right. granted, now, granted, I have eight people in my class, in my grade, eight. So we ended up, yeah. for one year, when I was in fourth grade, we had four, five, four, five, and six in the same classroom. Uh, so I was actually in the same classroom as my older brother. But I, I in my schedule... So everybody had to draw out their actual schedule for the day. Good. And yep. and the and the recess were a little bit different. You had a longer recess for lunch and you had some breaks and that's some I think it's probably because of how the schedule makeup was made. But oh, Okay. But in the winter time or in the summertime it doesn't matter. In the summertime when the, when there was recess uh yeah. it hit 10 o'clock or whatever the, the the period's over and as soon as we could close the desk lid and we ran outside and we played soccer for 10 minutes or we you burned it right it. like you totally went out there and played totally but in the winter time i still remember this part about we were not allowed to be inside during recess nope. in the building we had to be outside yeah but on the other hand, what did that actually teach you is so everybody was outside. So you were on the playground playing some kind of game mm -hmm. or you're on the athletic field playing some kind of a, a, a yeah. sport. Yeah. But what it what it what it naturally created was interaction. And we need more of that. Yeah. yeah. And and of course, this was back. You know, the only phone that was around was there was one phone in the building, which was in the. You yeah, know. it was attached to the uh, principal's office, right? Yeah. If I went back and um, um, that school is now a bed and breakfast and not even a school today. But but uh, <laughs> but if I went back and looked at, at, at I, I bet you I would see a completely different kind of environment. But but we conformed to the system and we just thought that that's what everybody did. Right. Mm -hmm. And but when I came over to the U.S., there were um and, and we'll not go into too much more details because it's nothing nothing about hockey but but when i came over to the us the breaks were like okay you were out of this class you got to your locker to be able to maybe get your change books 
and then you have to hurry on. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, yeah, we don't have that here in Canada. You no, like you get it. You in high school, you get period one, two, and you get a full hour and a bit, and then you have your last two periods. Um, I wish the kids were forced to to automatically be in something at the end of the day and have paid um, uh, coaches here in Canada to improve our athletic development. But not only that, education is the backbone of healthcare. Yeah. So the more you get the kids doing things after school whether it's drama, arts, or whatever, it's far better for the kids. And our kids just go home and go on phones. Yeah. Yeah, I remember going like from one class to the next and you couldn't even talk to anybody because you were just in a rush to get to the next class. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, we don't have that here. Like they give you enough time to do that. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, but I see what you mean. Little, about the little, culture, so culture so how, how do we rein that conversation back into kind of yeah. athletics and mental mental awareness is, I think that there's some systems that are built perhaps that naturally uh, facilitate naturally guide them. Yeah. 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 So, so so I wrote down a couple of things in here about Uh uh, (laughs) identity and self-awareness. How, how, yeah, they're very important. Yeah. How important. So when I say self-awareness or the identity, if you ask an athlete today, or what do you find when you, when you meet, athletes in the beginning is uh, the problem of the hockey player that they see their identity as a hockey player versus yes and that's becoming a real danger to their psych psychological development a real they have to be educated to know that they're not just a hockey player and we actually and part of our program is bringing on parent support and saying uh, we need your kids. We want them to pick up a hobby and find a subject in school they really like and uh, find another sport because they're more than just hockey. And it puts too much focused pressure on them being the best hockey player because we know, we know, Jacob, you and I both know the stats of how many players it it takes to get in to be one of them out of 400,000 gets a scholarship or or um, one in, um, I think, 580 in Canada may make it to the NHL. I mean, these are slim chances. But right? my kid is going to make it. My kid's going to make it, right? Like, I mean, my kid's a double-A player, and I know very well that, you know, at age 12, let's just see if he hangs in there till age 16. 16 is the next big bump. Oh, sorry, hitting. No, 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 sorry. You and I talked about hitting is the next big bump. So when they start that, who stays, who goes? Yeah, yeah. And then the next big bump we see is who's in there still in the game, still healthy, still thinking correctly, still stable. We'll see if they like it then because it is it's a very big different uh, world at 16. And and how I, I think the other parts about this is like, so you have these, so, so you mentioned those, those periods. Uh, in Sweden, they're a little bit different because they yeah. hit from the beginning. Uh, there's no restrictions. On I lo- I think that's actually better. I yeah. do. The big the big selection is going to be after ninth grade when they Correct. go from from their regular um, kind of their 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 middle school to high school, and they often have to go to away to a hockey academy if they want to continue. So so it's a natural selection when it comes to their interest level, right? They're going to say, right, all right, how bad do you want to do volleyball or soccer? And I had this conversation with, so we just released uh, yesterday, Oscar Alsenfeld, who was, he's oh, the yeah. 
just general manager of the SDHL in Sweden. And, and one of the yeah. challenges that they have in, in girls women's hockey is at ninth grade, you may be a star athlete. If you're a great athlete, you're going to be a yeah. great athlete often in multiple sports. And in Sweden, Correct. the best athletes, the best women athletes aren't going into hockey. They are going into soccer more than they do. Volleyball based. Yeah. 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 So yeah. same things yeah. we have here in the U.S., the best athletes don't go into hockey in the U.S. They go into football or baseball football. or basketball. Basketball, yeah. Right. So, uh, but those are natural occurrences that, on the other hand, but change it the course for everyone. They, it, that it, it age does, group, right? Yeah, and but at the same time, it, it it there's some good in that too because it really makes you think back of like how badly do I really want this? I think it makes the the, the kids, and you know as well as I do, that I'm seeing a lot of kids driven by their parents. I, I, and and I had a, I don't know if you ever listened to Gary Vanderchuk, but I, I was listening yes. to one, one of the things that Gary V was talking about. And that is, you know, what's your advice to as a parent to your, to your kids? And that is, number one, listen, but then allow them yeah. to flourish within their own interests and don't, in, in, versus for them yeah. to do what, don't don't live vicariously through your children right well that's great advice and like here i am i've got a a swimmer football hockey hockey and i did coach them all in my sport for a short time in volleyball but all of them picked something else so i want them to do what they want to do and if my kids ever want to stop their competitive sports we've said there's 19 other sports you can pick from yeah and we'll support you when you want to switch so yeah. that they know they have that cushion. I call it the landing mat in parenting. They need to know that you're the landing mat. And no matter what happens, that you're going to help them when they need to make a decision when they're going through something and that they can trust you because if they can't, it actually causes problems and, and insecurities and overthinking and worries and it hurts their performance. Yeah. Right. So let's go into the last part about our conversation here. And I've, I've got some, some questions written down my notes here. So oh, yeah, the oh we hadn't touched on the phone bits. Yeah. Yeah. So the goal is to improve I put down goal is to improve performance. Correct. So which is to me, it's about where are you versus versus where you want to go and the and the path of of, of how that. are you gonna get here? Yeah. How are you gonna get here? And you're here. So if we compare that to so if I want to improve my my 40 yard dash um sure sure in your combine whatever, yeah right? in my yeah, combine yeah, i want to i want to improve yeah. my shuffle speed or i want to improve my vertical leap or i want to improve that I, right. I i have to start working on that so there's a strategy my goal is to get Correct. here i'm here so the next thing is how am i going to do that well there's a strategy i need to start eating right i need to start sleeping right i need to start uh working out to to build those numbers to get there right mm-hmm what what I'm imagining is at the mental game, there's very little strategy on how do you improve. Right. They just don't game. know how to use it. Yeah. So how does what are some steps to so yeah, you mentioned sure. what you mentioned one, put away the phone. <laughs> well, we actually do better than that. So we actually custom a phone reduction system for all of our athletes. And we teach them what happens to their brain 
And what happens to what we call it? Does it take your energy or does it give you energy? And social media, they said, takes their energy, which is very interesting to hear from them. I don't want to go on it. I want to see it. I don't know why I want to see it. I'm afraid of missing out. So FOMO. Yeah. And and I'm like, well, but you're missing out on people who are on TikTok that you don't know. So we mostly reduce their TikTok. We mostly get them on only apps that they feel they trust. They have people they trust. Right. Because we also have to think about this. We have athletes who are now being drafted or getting scholarships. You have to be very careful what you say, do and act online. Period. So we get them, we educate them about that, but reducing their phone use um, is one thing and making sure that you go to bed on time every night and get up at the same time, but you don't have your phones in your room. There's no phones in the room. There's alarm clocks. Our athletes do their journal, their self-analysis every night, their goal setting, their re-goal setting and their strategies. Then they do their, we get them to do their self-talk, their mantras and work on their mindset. So they have to do a lot of mental work at night and visualization and manifest what they want to achieve. And this is every day we get them to work at their brain work about 25% more than the average athlete would be doing. So if you want to know why athletes are moving from here to here, it's because the only other edge in sports now, because we have every million different types of coaches that they can pick from. The only difference is the mental game and every sport after 16, as you know, well, know, is 80% mental. So you have to start working on that game up here, all your mental skills. And there's literally a hundred different coping mechanisms we teach them. So what are the results? Uh, general terms, right? General terms. Um, we've had kids who are so anxious. They didn't want to talk. We're now talking and now they feel confident. Now they're out there scoring and they're happy and they're able to, to converse with kids. Then we have the whole other thing where um, overthinking, self-doubt sinks in. They can now stop their own negative thoughts and visualize what they want to do and go do it. That's huge. I mean, I have kids calling me going, I totally did it on the weekend. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that's priceless for me to hear, right? We have we have kids who are now in that playoff situation, the high pressure situation. They're like, we teach them that it's just another hockey game, right? It's just another game. It doesn't matter what, if it's a playoff, a championship, it's still the same face-off you faced as a goalie a thousand times. It's still the same thousand games and hours you've played. So we teach them to build their confidence and settle down their nerves and use their breathing techniques as well. Breathing actually is really important. And teaching them emotional intelligence has completely paid off in terms of earning a leadership role on the team. So we're seeing some of our athletes earn that that leadership and getting scholarships. So we know that we're having, a, um, our testimonies are incredible. So I'm really proud of that. Well, and, and I mean, it's translatable skills, right? Into life that, that life I mean, that's careers. The thing about sports that, that it translates right. into life and, 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 yeah. and careers. So wrapping this up, yeah. you know, not everybody's going to have the, not everybody's going to have the ability to get their own personal mental coach. Uh, right. And they may not be in the best setting where this happens naturally in their in their environment. Right. But right. Let's say you have a parent, you have a coach, you have a yeah. um, a player that says, hmm, I'm really goal oriented and I see that this is an area that I want to improve. So let's whet their appetite with. Yep. 
some resources that they can use to get the ball rolling for momentum in that flywheel effect, yep. so to speak. And then, yep. so what are some, what would be some resources that, you know, maybe, maybe I can put in the, in the, in the sure. link here that if, sure. if you are, if you're interested in this and then we'll, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a, of course, a plug to, to you and, <laughs> okay. and so on, but, but like, if you want to just get the ball rolling and you're kind of a rookie at the mental yeah, game. Sure, sure. If, if, no matter where you are in the world, there is someone, look for someone who has a degree or a certification. Make sure you know that they have that certification, right? First, because there's a lot of people say that their mental performance or their psychology, and I'm like, mm, look at their degrees, please. And look at what they're doing. Um, and make sure that they're not just someone who's going to be a, I know several facilities, professional and non-professional that say they have mental performance coaches yet. They're not doing anything, but saying, yeah, go, you got this. Well, um, where's your equipment? Where are your tools? Where are your, yeah. why aren't you teaching coping? So really look at the pe people you have working with you. Are they equipping your athletes or are they just cheering your athletes? Because there's a big difference there, yeah. right? In results. So look around you, make sure you have someone competent that you can talk to, um, talk to. make sure that you, you have someone who's competent and uh, go from, for, go from there. But generally, no matter what city you're in, there is more conversation now about mental coaches and about counseling and sports psychology than ever in the last 15 years, but it's only because we're seeing such a need for it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So how do we, how do, how do people, of course, they can look you up on LinkedIn and you can Google Larissa Mills, but what's the best way sure, to, sure. To, to, to get in um, touch with you? You can go on Instagram to the Mental Game Academy. You can go on Facebook. It's the Mental Game Academy and Co. You can Google just Larissa Mills. Mental Game Academy will come up, but, or you can simply just go to our website, thementalgameacademy.ca. Um, and we're there and hopefully one of our, we have a team of about 10 people now. Um, so we have lots of coaches who are all over the world, um, that are part of our team. So hopefully somewhere. And I, I mean, I myself am teaching people in Europe and in Australia. So zoom makes it available for everyone. Right. Yeah. And I, what I would challenge everybody is first, just go there because there's a lot of articles in there too, that in terms of like, educate yourself on, yeah. on you know what, what is what, what is mental awareness what is uh the mental game and mm -hmm. and how to hopefully this episode and we're going to talk more about kind of this subject in in other episodes but i do think that it's such an important part of families coaches organizations parents players um oh yeah to, i'd love to, everyone to do to, the to, source to of get this better program. right to get better yeah and 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 what I wanted to highlight was, you know, a little bit of Sweden versus other countries. But we're all I mean, let's face it, everybody can improve no matter where you are, no matter where you are, no matter your age, no matter even if you've been through significant trauma. I have to say there's been significant trauma for some of our athletes. Um, we can help you. And yeah. that's a really yeah. that should be really comforting. And it's also confidential. So yeah. we're getting a lot of yeah. professional athletes coming because we are confidential. Well, Larissa, thanks for coming on and sharing your knowledge and your experience. And uh, we didn't get too deep into the Swedish recess conversation. We could probably went. <laughs> I'd like to know what you did. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I know what we did at recess. And usually it was like British bulldog and, 
and uh, horrible games, but it was all fun. It was all part of learning, right? So, so we played with marbles and we played Brenball. I'm, I know that. What's Brenball? Uh, What's that? So B R A N N B O L L. It's a form of baseball with the tennis ball. Oh and yeah, you, yeah. You, you take that. your old broken hockey stick and uh, use it as a bat because we didn't have, <laughs> of course, real hockey. I real love hockey this. Bats. I'm going to tell my kids. There is no, there's no uh, pitcher, so you throw your own ball. Do you throw um, your own ball? The, like yeah, okay, yeah. And yeah, there's yeah. no, there's yeah, no yeah. base. There's cones or whatever you have. Um, oh, I see. And there's intricate rules, and the fun thing that I can remember was lots and lots of discussions about the rules and the interpretation of the rules. That's what my kid comes home and says, he totally didn't touch the base and I got him out. And, and, but this is how it teaches them justice, right. And equality, right. All that good stuff. If it did nothing, it taught you negotiation skills and uh, mediation. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we, we should have a separate episode of, of the, the art of shuffling sticks and selecting teams, but that's a different, oh my gosh, different topic. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Thanks thank again. you so much for having me. All right. Have a great one.